Hello, thank you for listening to this sermon from our Revive service. We hope it helps you learn more about God and allow you to grow closer to Him and in your faith. How many of you were here last Sunday? Good. How many of you uh, remember Pastor Aaron said that he was only going to preach partially through chapter 8 and he'd get the predestination next week? Surprise! If you, for anyone here that may not know me or anyone streaming that may not know me, my name is Paul Crow. Uh, I have the honor and the privilege of serving here at times as deacon uh, on the council uh, as well as Logos class teacher any capacity that, that they ask that I'm available, it, it, it is an honor to serve. And it is an honor this morning to stand before you and to open God's word and to share what he has put on my heart. So, if you are willing and able, if you would open your Bibles to the Gospel of John, chapter 14, we'll be reading verses 1 through 6. I will be reading from uh, the NASB, but I'm sure you'll be able to follow along. The words will be on the screen. So, the Gospel of John, chapter 14, verses 1 through 6. If you would stand with me, if you're willing and able, to honor the reading of God's holy word. Do not let your heart be troubled. Believe in God and believe also in me. In my Father's house are many rooms, and if that were not so, I would have told you, because I am going there to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I am coming again and will take you to myself, so that where I am, there you also will be. And you know the way where I am going. Thomas said to him, Lord, we do not know where you're going. How do we know the way? Jesus said to him, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Let us pray. Father God, I am so thankful that you are who you are. Lord, as we spoke this morning, we and two other men, Lord, you are the God of provision. You are a God of faithfulness. You're a God of peace, a God, Lord, that we can fall upon, that we can rely upon in every situation in life and in every season that we find ourselves. We welcome you here this morning, Lord. We welcome your spirit. Touch our hearts, Lord. Open our hearts and minds to what you would have for us. Let your word be spoken. Let truth be revealed. We thank you. We praise you in the name of Jesus Christ, the Messiah. Amen. You can be seated. John 14, 6. I am the way and the truth and the life, and no one comes to the Father except through me. There's a story of a little boy, and he was in a huge shopping mall, and he was lost in one of the aisles in a very large department store in that mall. And he, he stood in that aisle 
just tears streaming down his face, and he was crying, Mommy, Mommy, where's my mommy? And people would come by, and, and they, would, they would give him pennies and, and nickels and dimes and quarters, just, just trying to help him to feel better as they went by. And this continued for a while, and then one of the workers at the department store came up to the little boy and said, Son, I know where your mommy is. And the little boy looked up with her, tears from his eyes, saying, Shh, don't say anything. I've got a good thing going. I know where she is too. The feeling of being lost is a terrible and frightening feeling. A terrible and frightening experience. Have you ever been traveling anywhere and just lost? Before GPS, before you could look up directions on a phone, where you had to rely on the person in the passenger seat with the Rand McNally Road Atlas that was probably holding it upside down, telling you to turn right when you needed to go left? You ever been there? Yep. It, <laughs> it is a terrifying experience not to know where you are. Sometimes you can be lost and you don't even know you're lost. You don't realize it. You just keep going further and deeper until you're even more lost. You're in a car. You know where you're going. You know where you are. You know how long it's going to take for you to get to where you're going, your final destination. And then all of a sudden, you come up on a sign that's not supposed to be there. You drive through a town that no, never heard of that one before. Something, something happens that throws you off course. You might not even be heading in the direction that you originally thought you were. And many people are leading a life like that. They're lost. Not in a physical sense, not in a geographical sense, but in a spiritual sense. They're lost. Problem is, they don't even know that they're lost. In the passage of scripture that we read, Jesus tells them that they're not where they thought they were on the map. He tells them that he's about to be arrested. He's about to be taken away. And he's about to be killed. And these men that have followed him, trusted him, believed in him, suddenly find themselves at a loss. They have no idea what they're going to do. They didn't understand what Christ was telling them. And the more he talked of going away to a place that they could follow, the more frustrated they got. Where is it he was going? Was he going to Galilee? Was he going to Samaria? Was he going to hide from the Jewish leaders in the desert? Was he going to flee to Egypt to escape them? And finally, in desperation, Thomas says, Jesus, we don't understand what you're saying. We don't know where you're going. So how can we know the way? Lord, I thought things were under control. I thought I knew where we were heading. But now I'm confused, and now I'm lost. 
Have you ever prayed those words? Have you ever said that to God? You think you know where you're going and something comes along in life, something that's unplanned that just detours you to a place you never thought you would be and sometimes never wanted to be. Lord, I thought I had everything planned out. I thought my future was certain. I thought my plans were clear. But now, I've lost my job. I've lost my family. I've lost my health. I've lost my direction. I don't know where to go. I don't know where I am. I don't know the way. And just like those disciples, we can feel lost, confused, and disheartened. Lord, we do not know where you are going, so how can we know the way? But Jesus' response was, I am the way. He didn't claim to know of a way. He didn't claim to be one of the ways. He said, I am the way. So how many ways are there to God? While I was preparing this, I took a little trip. And I went to see a very, very wise man called Mr. Google. And Mr. Google informed me when I asked that 85% of the world's population identifies with some kind of religious group. There are estimated to be over 4,000 different religious groups throughout the world. And the majority, but not all, fall under an umbrella of five distinct beliefs. Christianity, Islam, Judaism, Hindu, and Buddhist. The majority, but not all. Three of those five umbrellas claim to worship the same God. My question to you is, do they? Do we worship the same God? Do we worship the same God in different ways? Is Jesus a way? Is he one way out of many? Or is he the way? Jesus said, I am the way. In the Greek, the word for way is hodos. It is a traveled road. A particular, certain location. Not one of many, a particular, certain, distinct location, a road. Thomas said, how do we know the way? Jesus said, I am the way. So I went back to Mr. Google, and I asked Mr. Google, what is the smallest town in the state of Ohio? Did you know it's Rendeville, Ohio? It's in Perry County. It's an old mining town, population of 28. When I Googled Rindville, Ohio, on my GPS maps, it gave me three different ways to get there. Three. I-77 to I-70, 83 to 13, sometimes 77 to Ohio 30 to 62. Other times you would take Ohio 83 to 16 to 13. That might be great for a road trip if you want to see a lot of scenic country. 
but it's not true when it comes down to our spiritual journey. When it comes to heaven, there is only one road that you can take that is going to get you. And that road is Christ. And Christ crucified and Christ resurrected. Every other road does not get to heaven. It is a dead end. That's like in Hawaii. When people would GPS how to get to this certain spot. It would take them to a boat ramp. And last year and this year, three people drove off the boat ramp into the ocean. Because GPS told them to turn left. That is a sudden dead end. Yet more and more people. Even many of them who consider themselves to be Christians. Believe that there are many roads to God. Not heaven. But to God. And I'm going to say something that might shock some of you people. But. In a sense. All roads do lead to God. Because if you think about it, there will be a judgment. And every single person from every nation, tribe, and tongue are going to stand before God. And we read about it in Matthew 25. The sheep and the righteous will be parted to the right. He'll say, thank you, my good and faithful servant. And the goats, the unrighteous, those that do not believe in God, will be sent to the left into eternal misery. Everyone will see God. But the consequences of that meeting are vastly different. There are many, many faiths and religions that many people believe all have equal value. People will pick and choose what they like from these different religions, a lot like a religious smorgasbord. They'll say, oh, I like this out of Christianity. Oh, I like this out of Islam. Oh, this, this is a great idea out of Hinduism. And we'll all put it together onto this religious plate that they have put together. And this will become their faith. We are living in very confusing times. And it is very easy for people to get lost. But Jesus said that I am the way. I'm going to bring this up. Not only do we have other faiths and other religions, but there's the occult. And I found this to be somewhat interesting, but also extremely disheartening. In 2014, the Pew Research Center found that 0.4% of Americans, which is one to one and a half million people, identify as Wiccan or pagan. That outnumbers the mainline members of the Presbyterian Church. If their numbers continue to grow as expected, by 2050, America will have six and a half million pagans or practicing Wiccans, 1.6% of the population. And that number is likely to grow. Universities are hiring Wiccan chaplains. The prison system in California is involved in a lawsuit right now about hiring a Wiccan chaplain to minister to the uh, inmates. There was a Wiccan chaplain that was hired in the state of Wisconsin. I think it was three or four years ago. I think she got sent to prison. 
sexual assault and, and bringing in narcotics into the prison. And she's doing quite a bit of time right now. Her last name was Welch, but she actually legally changed it to Witch because of what she believed in. I forget what her first name was. I went back and I asked Mr. Google, how many TV shows and movies are there that have to do with the occult? I got over 1,038 different titles and over 70 pages of results. The VA even now, although the military does not have Wiccan or pagan chaplains, the VA does recognize um, Wicca as far as they will put the pentagram on the headstone of a soldier if they identify as Wiccan. You know how they put the cross or the Star of David? They'll now put a pentagram. It's growing. When we lived in Florida, brief story. We thought it'd be fun to take a ghost tour in old St. Augustine, the oldest city in Florida, oldest city in the country. So we went on this ghost tour and they gave us these little, these little sensors that are supposed to detect the echoplasm of a ghost or whatever it is they put off. So we're going through all these old buildings and people would walk by an outlet and the thing would buzz and they'd be like, oh, there's a ghost over here. Oh, there's a ghost over there. It was stupid. One of the stupidest things I've ever done in my life. But it was fun to watch the people. It was hilarious. Anyway, I digress. So we go through all this and we end up in the old apothecary in St. Augustine as our last stop. From that old apothecary, you open the door into a modern store. We... This thing bothers me, even just think about it. We barely broke the threshold of the door. And I, it was palpable. I walked into this overwhelming sense of evil. It's the only thing way I can describe it. It was evil. It was darkness. I'm like, what in the world is going on? I started looking around. It was a new age spiritualist bookstore. And they had all sorts of books and crystals and all this other stuff. And I turned to Sarah, and you can ask her, the first words out of my mouth was, we got to get out of here. It scared the crap out of me. Maybe I'm not supposed to say that word up here, but it scared me to death. It was so, I can't describe how palpable that feeling was. You ever walk through a mist and you just get wet? That's how it was. We don't talk about this in church that much, but spiritual warfare is real. And I'm not going to get into that right now. I ain't got the time, but it's a real thing. The devil runs this planet for now. He has carte blanche to do pretty much whatever he wants. Limited by God, but he can do whatever God allows him to do. And God allows him to do a lot. And it is a battle, and it is warfare, and we are knee-deep in the trenches. And if we don't take that seriously, we are doing the world and the fallen and the loss of this service. 
as well as God. People are getting sucked into the world of the occult and they try and find their direction in life through that and through all these different options, all these different ways. But Jesus said, I am the way. Humanism and atheisms. Did you know there's an ad on those double-decker buses over in London? And it says, there's probably no God, so stop worrying and enjoy life. You believe that? I do. And it speaks volumes. Isn't it sad that we have to send missionaries to England? Isn't it sad that we have to send missionaries to Western Europe? Isn't it sad that people have to send missionaries here? The atheistic world says, I'll do it my way. There's no God. There's no meaning in life. You're simply a bunch of chemicals that all came together by chance and created what you see today. They say, I will do it my way. Jesus says, I am the way. Don't look for another path. It is absolutely stupid to think that God would go to one side of the world and say, this is how we reconcile. And then go to the other side of the world and say, nope, this is how we reconcile. That's stupid. That doesn't make sense at all. It makes sense for God to give one path to him. And that one path has a huge signpost and it says Jesus. All the other roads will take you in the wrong direction. There's only one way to Jesus. Matthew 7, 14 says, for the gate is narrow and the way is constricted that leads to life and there are few who find it. It's narrow because it's the way of God and according to God's word, it will be rejected by many. That's why it's so narrow and the road to hell is so wide. Jesus is not just the way in the future, the way to eternal life, the way to heaven. I hope we know that he's the way now. There are people probably in this room going through things that I, I have no idea. Despair, loss, confusion, heartache, you name it. Jesus is the way out of that today and tomorrow and for eternity. We, we can't lose sight of that. We talk about heaven so much. We talk about eternal life. We talk about the future. Jesus is now too. And you know what? You're called a saint. You know what a saint is? 
Let's get away from what the Catholics say. It has nothing to do with that. You don't have to live a perfect life and get devoted by a council of priests to go, oh, you are now a saint and we can pray to you and you can do miracles for us. No, that is not what a saint is. Paul addresses so many Christians in his letters by to the saints at so-and-so place. To the saints at so-and-so place. You are holy. You are sanctified. You are set apart for God's purpose in your life. You are chosen. You weren't happenstance. You weren't a mistake. But thank God he chooses mistakes because I make a lot of them. But you're not a mistake. And the mistakes that you make and the mistakes that I make, which are a lot, God can still use. So don't ever feel that you can't do enough. Don't ever feel that you, you just, you don't get it. God will and can and wants to use you. Because he called you. When you call someone on the phone, do you call them? Why do you call them? You call them to talk to them. You call them because you want to interact with them, at least verbally. When God calls you and me, he wants to talk to you and he wants to interact with you. You're chosen. Don't forget that. He is a way to restore life in God today. He also said that I am the truth. And the Greek word for truth is, I'm going to screw this up, aletheia or aletheia. It means reality, fact, and certainty. And this is the key phrase right here for all people in all places at all times. Period. Christ, Jesus, God, the Spirit of God, they are absolute truth. Period. Jesus said, I am the truth. In John 18, 37, we read, Therefore Pilate said to him, So you are a king? Jesus answered, You say correctly that I am a king. For this purpose I have been born, and for this I have come into the world. Why? To testify to the truth. And everyone who is of the truth listens to my voice. When he stood before Pilate, Jesus said to him, I have come to testify to the truth. In fact, the reason I was born and came into the world is to testify to the truth. And everybody on my side listens to me. Pilate said, what is truth? And that is the same question so many people, even some in the church today, are asking. In the world we live, they say there is no such thing as an ultimate truth. What might be true to you doesn't necessarily have to be true to them. They've thrown away absolute truth and they've replaced it with this word called relativism. But Jesus says that I am the truth and I have come to testify to the truth. Winston Churchill once said, truth is absolute. Panic may resent it. Ignorance may deride it. Malice may distort it. But there it is. Truth. 
Pilate said, what is truth? And Jesus said, I am truth. And people may under, misunderstand the truth of the Christian gospel. Some people may resent it. Some people may deride it, which means to hold it in contempt. Some people may distort it. But the truth of the gospel is absolute, regardless of what people may think of it. There's a Buddhist parable. It comes from about 500 B.C. Anybody ever hear of the elephant and the five blind men? Some colleges use it in their philosophy classes. Nobody? Short and sweet. There's an elephant and there's five blind guys. They go up to the elephant. The first one grabs the tusk. He goes, oh, this is a mighty spear. The next one goes up and he grabs the ear and he's like, no, this isn't a spear. This is, this is a fan to cool you in the summer heat. The third one goes up to the elephant, wraps his arms around the leg. and I have no idea what you guys are talking about. You're idiots. This is a sturdy stump of a tree. Fourth guy goes up to the elephant and leans against him. and goes, this is a strong, solid wall. The fifth one walks up to the elephant and grabs the tail. And he said, it's a, it's a wispy rope. I'm going to read to you what the meaning of that supposedly is. I quote, This story will teach kids that truth is relative to one's own perspective. And because the truth is relative, we should all respect the opinions of others. Let me stop right there. I don't care what you believe. I will respect your right to believe that. Period. You have the right to be wrong. That's all there is to it. You can believe what you want. That's fine. However, and follow me with this, two opposing truths cannot be true at the same time. If I have a red truck in my hand, and Sarah says that, oh, it's red, and Ray says, nope, that's white, can they both be right? No. Oh, but he's colorblind. So he sees red as white, so it's still true to him. No, he has bad vision. He has a problem with his eyes. That truck is still red. So what I'm trying to tell you is that when it comes to relativism and the world looking at this truth being true and this truth being true, no. They need the scales to fall from their eyes. They need the spirit to remove those shades so that they can actually see the truth of God. Amen? Don't be afraid to say that. It encourages me. It really does. Amen. Love you, Aaron. <laughs> Who here has ever seen the movie A Few Good Men? Oh, come on. Really? Tom Cruise and Jack Nicholson? So it, it, it's somewhere. It's got to be on someone's top 10 movie dialogues. Tom Cruise and Jack Nicholson are going at it. And it finally reaches the crescendo. And I hope I don't yell too loud. Tom Cruise is like, I want the truth. And Jack Nicholson, you can't handle the truth. Y'all remember that? I wish we had that clip. Anyway. People lost in sin can't handle the truth. 
A world lost in sin doesn't want the truth because the truth makes us accountable to God for what we do and how we live our lives. That is why the world goes to great lengths to create their own smorgasbord plate of morality so they can be moral in their own eyes. St. Augustine, anybody ever heard of him? I love St. Augustine. He was wrong sometimes, but I love St. Augustine. So he said, and I love this, we love the truth when it affirms us, but we hate the truth when it convicts us. Is that not true of everybody? And sometimes the truth hurts. We all need that one true friend that is willing to stand beside us and tell us the truth, even when we don't want to hear it. And what truer friend can you have than Jesus Christ? Amen? If you went to the doctor and he diagnosed you with a horrible illness, but decided not to tell you in case it hurt your feelings, that's not good for anybody. Jesus tells us the truth about our human condition because he is the great physician. And his truth reveals our sinful nature. His truth reveals the wrong things in our lives. And his truth reveals just how far we have fallen away. Pilate said, what is truth? Jesus said, I am truth. He also said, I am the life. The Greek word for life is zoe. It means the absolute fullness of life, essential and ethical, which belongs to God through him, to Christ, and to us. It is a life, real and genuine, active and vigorous, devoted to God, blessed in every portion of this world for those who put their trust in Christ but after the resurrection to be consummated by new ascensions, among them a perfect glorified body and to last forever. That is life. That is what that Greek word means. Romans 3.23 says that all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. Romans 6.23 says the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. And John 11, 25, 26 says, I am the resurrection and the life. He who believes in me, even though he dies, he will live. And he who lives and believes in me shall never die. And then he asks, do you believe this? Do you? Do you believe this? And if you do, do you live like you believe? Through him we have eternal life. But like I said before, eternal life isn't something far off in the future. It begins here and it begins today. Some people think that Christianity is a prison of rules and regulations. But Jesus says, no. I've come to set you free. I've come to give you a better life. A more fulfilling life. A more content life. A more abundant life. Here. Today. Now. 
Free from guilt, free from shame, free from sin, free from anxiety, free from fear, free from dread, free from depression, free from your misery. Why? Because I am life. Free from addiction. All the different kinds. It doesn't have to be drugs. It doesn't have to be alcohol. It doesn't have to be sex. You can be addicted to a number of things that take you away from God. He has given you freedom from all of that. In conclusion, Thomas said, Lord, we don't know where you're going, so how can we know the way? Jesus said, and I want you to say it with me, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Amen. There was an elderly man that was walking with his young grandson. So it reminds me of one of one of my grands. How far are we from home? He asked the boy. The grandfather asked the boy. The boy said, Grandpa, I don't know. Then the grandfather asked, well, where are you? And the boy said, I don't know. Then the grandfather said very good naturedly, well, sounds to me as if we are lost. And the boy stopped in his tracks. And he looked up at his grandfather and he said, I can't be lost. I'm with you. I pray that that is true for you and true for me as we go through this life with the one that is the way and the truth and the life. Would you bow your heads with me? Father God, I thank you that when we feel lost, you're the way. When we feel battered by a world of lies, you are the truth. And Lord, when we feel empty, you are the bread of life and you are living water. I pray, Lord, now, like I prayed earlier, Lord, that we learn to fall on you, that we learn to fully rely on you, that we learn, Lord, to come humbly and submissively before the cross, before your altar, and to just give it all to you. Trust in your strength, your power. And Lord, for those that are here that may not know you, that may not have a relationship with your son, the Christ, I pray, Lord, that your spirit stirs and strums the strings of their hearts. Lord, that you convict them of a life not devoted to you, a life not lived to you, for you. And I want to say now to all eyes closed, that if there's anyone here and you don't know the Lord, don't leave here. Don't leave here with an empty heart. If you feel the Spirit speaking to you, touching your heart and you can sincerely tell God that you are sorry for what you've done then do that don't walk away from here without Christ Father God I thank you for this opportunity for us to be together this morning I thank you Lord for this opportunity of fellowship I thank you Lord for who you are and what you've done in all of our lives. I thank you, Lord, for the body of Christ.
There is no one here more important than another. One is a hand, one is a foot, one is an eye, one is a nose, one is a toenail. Lord, thank you for making us one. And help us, Lord, seek and desire to work together to bring you to a world that doesn't know you. Thank you. And I want to take just one minute, and then we're going to be out of here. But one minute, silent prayer. We've not done this in a while. But I want you to open your hearts and pray for each other as the body of Christ, just silently, for just a minute. Whatever the Lord puts on your heart for your fellow believer. Thank you again, Father. I pray your hand of protection and mercy and grace upon everyone here. Pray that you give them safe travels throughout the week. And Lord, that through your spirit, you give them a boldness and a confidence to stand for you and to stand for your gospel, to stand for your word. Lord, to be that light upon a hill, to be Christ to those around them. We thank you. We praise you. We ask this in the name of the name that is above all names, Jesus Christ, the Messiah. Amen. You're dismissed.